I'm Emily, and I am the tree branch that Edward unnecessarily ripped out of a tree and threw at another tree. And I'm Paige. I am the other tree that just got hit by Emily's flying corpse, and you are listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Thanks for listening to the show today. Um, it's been a weird week off. It's been kind of crazy. I did finish moving. I'm recording in an all-new, quote-unquote, studio today, aka my new living room. Emily's a whole new woman. I am. I'm drinking this really expensive champagne. Not that I bought for myself. Let's, let's, don't get it twisted. But, um... My sister bought it for me, and it is delicious. Also, just to put you all in context, we record these. Paige has mentioned this before, but we record our episodes usually a week before we put them out because it takes a while to edit them. Um, But today is a Monday. Um, It's the day before Election Day, so needless to say, nerves are high. Mila's kind of just pacing. She senses the tension. Yeah, every hair on my body is quivering. I hate the word quivering, and you know this. Well, guess what? I fucking hate this election, so it's appropriate. Okay, okay, fair, fair. Um, thinking about making myself another mimosa while you guys just sit here and listen to the silence. What if we put out an episode that was just like seven minutes of dead noise while I was making a mimosa in the background? That's like an ASMR video. We'll save it for the bloopers. Okay, <clears throat> so this week, well... Yeah, these two weeks. We read Chapter 13, Confessions, a.k.a. the famous Meadow scene. So, Paige, what were your thoughts on this chapter? My my very first thought when I, when I closed the book up after reading, I mean, the prior chapters have been fairly sensual, like, uh, like some building to like some very sexually tense, I guess is how I want to phrase it. This chapter was like, we're not holding back. Everything was like hyper sexualized and he's like touching her neck and her face. This would have, if I was a kid slash teenager, like between like 13 to 17 and I read this, my loins, holy macaronis. I, I'm just God. <laughs> There was a lot of hotness going on. Did did we did it need to be that hot? I don't know. <laughs> but Stephanie was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm making it hot. <laughs> okay, okay, fair. Um, last time we recorded, I think that I mentioned um, that this was kind of where it started. Um, so Stephanie's has Stephanie's plural. Stephanie's singular. <laughs> has said that she got the idea for this entire book series because she woke up one night from a dream, having never written anything before. She was not an author. Hmm. And in the dream, a male vampire and a human female were discussing how they were in love, but how he wanted to kill her. So essentially she dreamed this scene and then wrote an entire book series around it. I, I'm not surprised. I think of my own dreams that can make some great books. I mean, it's a little surprising that such like a vague concept turned into something extremely intricate. Yeah, she definitely like worked with mythology a lot in some problematic ways. But um, yeah, it's so it's always been interesting to me when like authors say that they like start in the middle. I'm like, how? <laughs> I guess I can not necessarily start from the middle, but 
getting a central idea and then that isn't necessarily like the beginning point but something that you can work towards I guess I can get that yeah yeah I get the idea thing I just like I think she physically wrote this chapter first and then like oh I didn't realize that yeah sorry I was phrasing it badly but I'm pretty sure she like wrote around it maybe that can kind of explain I guess to me the difference in tones because like if this was singularly written by itself she kind of knew what she wanted to get from it I guess mm-hmm. and then, but then had to build her way up from there starting then from the beginning so like the difference in tones may be like her spending her the very first chunk of time on this and then as she's writing the rest kind of like exploring her writing in a different way I guess I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say no no it makes sense I can't actually remember if she said that she wrote like the second half of the book next or the first half um so I'll be interested to see if you think like this kind of tone remains throughout the book or if you think she kind of goes back to how she was before Mm -hmm. um put a pin in it as it were (laughs) (sighs) Uh, so yeah let's just jump right in So we left off in the last chapter with Edward dramatically stepping into the sun um, as a cliffhanger. And then it seems like there's a little bit of a time jump because Bella says that she's been staring at him all afternoon in the very first sentence of this chapter. Um, And she's basically just describing how he sparkles. And then on page 261, he says, I don't scare you. I just want to say, like, I don't mean this to sound rude, but I would not be scared. I feel like I would laugh. I, I'm pretty sure the whole world collectively agrees with you since it became a fucking meme. Yeah, yeah. To be fair to Stephanie, I think, like, she, the way she describes it is less comical than it turned out to be in the movies, which, to be fair to Catherine Hardwick, the director of the first movie, that would be kind of hard to pull off on film. Did they need the, like, little <laughs> sound when it was happening? No, they did not. But whatever. I all I'm saying is is that that was like one of the I knew nothing about the book series aside from that it's vampires and whatever but I did know about that because it was just so made fun of I guess yeah it just makes me laugh now rereading it that Edward's like aren't you afraid (laughs) I'd be like no (laughs) also he is at one point singing to himself like speak up we all want to hear what you're singing I see when I read that one little bit I thought maybe it was going to come up later just like how mysteriously it was brought up and like that she couldn't hear him he was singing so low but then it never did so I'm like okay I guess it's just a weird fact I don't know yeah it's so weird to me like imagine on a second date with a guy which is essentially what this is and he's just singing to himself under his breath I would literally delete his number (laughs) I'd be so scared I I don't think Bella could ever delete his number I don't think she could she makes that abundantly clear a little later on (laughs) (sighs) so um there's just a lot like Paige mentioned in the beginning there's just a lot of touching in this. I don't really feel the need to like go into every detail of that because it makes me uncomfortable. This podcast would be eight hours long. <laughs> okay, facts. And I'm not editing an eight-hour podcast. It's just not going to happen. Unless y'all start paying for it, then I might. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Okay. Um, Edward asks Bella what she's thinking because he's all mad that he, like, still can't read her mind. And she basically says that she was wishing she wasn't afraid. And before she can explain that, he kind of, like, gets closer to her. And she's like, yeet! And she yeets himself, herself basically into his face. And then he pieces out. Which I just want to point out on page 263, at the top it says... As I had just that once before, I smelled his cool breath in my face. Sweet, delicious, the scent made my mouth water. That's, to me, like, you've pointed this out a couple times. I feel like this is almost like foreshadowing. Because it's like, why is her mouth watering about a scent? Yeah, I completely agree. I knew that that was kind of what Stephanie was going for. However, just the way that it's worded, I just, why is your mouth watering about the smell of his breath? I'm sorry, there is nothing mouth-watering about that. Like, I get what you're going for. I get you're talking about the smells. I get it. I feel like if anyone's breath is going to smell fucking bad, it's the guy who drinks blood. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I have to agree. I feel like it would have been better if she was just, like, because she's already brought up, like, the fact that he just smells good, so maybe just, like, of his skin. Or Why do I have his breath? Yeah, it's, I, I, don't get me wrong, I, I, I enjoy the sentiment and it kind of makes Bella look even more intimidating, I guess, because it's kind of putting them on the same level. But when I saw that it was about his breath, it just kind of took that away from me. I couldn't, couldn't deal. Yeah. That's interesting that you bring that up, though. I want you to elaborate on that a little bit. Like, do you think Bella has, like, power in this chapter almost? Because some would argue that she doesn't because she's, like, so vulnerable, but I like that that stance. Yeah, I definitely agree that she's definitely in an extremely vulnerable place in this scene. I don't know, just, like, her talking about him being, like, delicious and mouth-watering, you would expect that kind of language associated with Edward. So the fact that it's putting it onto Bella just makes her look more powerful in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that. I also think Bella has a little bit of power in a weird way in that, like, she is the one, like, is basically the reason that they're here. You know what I mean? Because, like, if she hadn't had this, like, very specific attraction, like, if Edward hadn't had this very specific attraction to her, like, he would have just, like, been like, whatever, you know, same old, same old. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, we've talked about this a lot in the other episodes, but... A lot of people, I guess, would say that Edward seems to have the upper hand here, but Bella had just as much of a role in where they're where they are than Edward had. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also, if you hear some munching and crunching, Malcolm's eating some dinner, which is good because he is not taking this move well. He hasn't really been eating, so we are happy to hear this munching and crunching, people. One thing I used to do, or my family used to do with our old dog, Cricket, if she wouldn't eat her food, we would sprinkle Parmesan cheese on the food, and then she'd eat it. But we think that maybe she learned that and then would purposefully not eat her food for a long time, so we would make it tastier. (laughs) Y'all were out there playing checkers, and Cricket was playing chess. (laughs) Checkmate, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So Edward kind of bounces out of there. And Bella apologizes, and he he basically takes a few seconds and then comes back. 
and then goes into this weird ass motherfucking monologue. And if you think it's weird in the book, girl, it's even worse in the movie. I don't know if you remember it, but it is horrific. <laughs> Just imagine Robert Pattinson yelling. I was not picturing him shouting in this scene, so the fact that he's yelling is very funny. It is so funny. Like, I'm picturing it in my brain, and it's, like, almost bringing me to tears how funny it is. Uh, Okay, I'll just read it out loud. Hi, Mila. I'm the world's best predator, aren't I? Everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. As if I need any of that. As if you could outrun me, he laughed bitterly. I'm skipping ahead. Um, Here we go with this bullshit. He reached up with one hand and with a deafening crack, effortlessly ripped a two-foot-thick branch from the trunk of the spruce. He balanced it in that hand for a moment and then threw it with blinding speed, shattering it against another huge tree, which shook and trembled at the blow. And And he was in front of me again, standing two feet away still as a stone. As if you could fight me off, he said gently. I'm just like... Is this necessary? I think I've made it clear that I think it is not. It is 100% not necessary. This is clearly just a way to show show off. What's the word for show off, but like in a negative way? <laughs> um, begrudgingly show off. <laughs> I mean, it's only begrudgingly to me. I think that he knows what he's doing and he's, you know, showing his prowess. But I'm like, you didn't have to. She knows you're strong. You freaking crumpled up a car in front of her. Right. And did you have to ruin a precious piece of foliage in the process? Two. Two pieces. The tree. Well, like- I know that second one is like hurt. It's It just says it shook and trembled. But I don't well, think it like. I guess the first tree is the one that shattering. Oh, yeah, the first, the first one is the one that shatters. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My notes say, can you relax, Edward, LOL. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving on. Basically, it, the whole vibe I get from Edward in this, and part of it is because I've read Midnight Sun, so I know, but it's almost like he's trying to convince himself, and Bella says this too, he's trying to convince himself more than he's trying to convince her that he's, like, capable of spending time with her and being around her without killing her. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because Bella's just kind of like, whatever, if I die, I die. I I 100% agree. I just it. think it's so funny that she wants this D so bad that she's like, whatever. <laughs> but anyways, um... I'm just reading through all these touches. Don't want to go over them, like I said. Um, So, basically, Edward kind of gets her to confess what she was talking about earlier when she said that she was afraid. And her thing is basically she's afraid that, like, she won't be able to be with him. And then he, like, gets kind of mad. And he's, like, not mad, but he's, like, intense. Because she's saying, like, I'm glad that you're around me. Like, I don't want you to leave. And he's, like, you have to want me to leave. You blah, blah, blah. I'm so dangerous or whatever. And then he kind of goes into this explanation about, which Paige, I'm pretty sure you were aware of because we've talked about it before, but like how her specifically was like so tempting to him. Yeah. Yeah. When when we were going into it, like in the beginning, I knew it was because she smelled so good. Like that's why all of his um, 
reactions were so extreme. Um, I, I thought, though, that, like, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought, like, every vampire had, like, one person that smelled really like that. So when it's revealed later that, is it um, uh, Jasper has had two? Or Emmett had two Emmett, people yeah. that smelled that good? So I was like, oh, I didn't know that, personally. But I did know that, like, there can be people who smell super tasty. Yeah. Yeah. His brand of heroin is the metaphor he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of Jasper, um, this is on page 268. Were you surprised? I guess, you know, you, you still don't know much about them. I swear that will change soon. But, um, were you surprised that he's the most recent to join their family? I was, because I thought, I think I thought that it was Emmett. I thought that Emmett was the most recent. Or maybe Alice? I can't remember. I thought that Alice and Emmett were the most recent, the two of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, that that's what you had. That's what we posted on our Instagram when you guessed, um, which was ages, but, like, that's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Ages and, like, um, when they joined the mm-hmm. family, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like Paige mentioned, they talk about Jasper's and Emmett's encounters with this situation. Um, Edward explains that Jasper doesn't really have this, but he kind of has this with everyone at the same time because he really struggles with not, um, massacring humans. <laughs> like, this is a totally separate subject, and I know that it's, like, necessary because it's a story and you gotta keep it moving, but I just feel like at times they, both of them, when they talk about it, they forget that this is human beings mm-hmm. that they're talking about. I, I thought about that a lot. Like, if they, if something bad happens, do they, and I'm sure they talk about this, but I've been wondering it, do they have to basically uproot their entire lives and move somewhere new? Like, if something, someone were to be massacred, do they just play it off? Or, like, I also thought that when vampires bit you, you became a vampire. So I'm like, how do you kill someone and not, I guess... You don't have to bite them to kill them. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just kind of expelling all of my thoughts onto you. But I guess I've just been thinking, like, have the has the family been moving around a lot? Is this something like I don't I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts. Those are all excellent questions, and I have the answers to all of them, but I cannot give any of them to you at the moment. I'm quitting the podcast. Sorry. Imagine if this podcast was just me talking to no one. <laughs> we would have no listeners. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jasper is still struggling with all that. Emmett, this has happened to him twice, as Paige men- mentioned. And this is kind of what I was talking about in terms of the euphemism, is, like, he killed both of them. And Edward remarks, even the strongest fall- of us fall off the wagon, don't we? I'm like, okay, so what we're talking about here is murder. Like, let's just be clear. (laughs) No matter what the motives or the extenuating circumstances were, two lives were taken. Yeah. Yeah. Just put that out there. Okay. Um, So then Bella's like, okay, so I'm toast? (laughs) Question mark, question mark. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to hurt you. I love you too much. He doesn't say that yet, but it's coming. 
Um, so then Edward kind of goes into almost like a recounting of the memories of when they first met and the first couple of months they, that they knew each other. And this bothers me too. On page 269, he says, it took everything I had not to jump up in the middle of that class full of children and those children are literally all your age, like physically, and all your girlfriend's age. They're not children. <laughs> They're literally 17 years old. I, another thing that I was thinking about, would you consider him to be 17? Or would you consider him to be like, technically like 168? or however old he is, however old he should be, you know? Like, is he still considered a 17-year-old? Or is he just because he has that body? Or is he, like, an old guy, you know? It's an interesting question, and I feel like there's varying opinions on this. For me, it's like, how emotionally mature are you? Because there's shit that he does, I'm like, yeah, he stopped emotionally maturing at 17. Because he is, like, frozen in time. And that's just my stance. I know there's people that would disagree, but I'm like... He never, like, like, yes, he's been around for however long and, like, had life experience and, like, had to learn and be an adult. But at the same time, his brain is the same one that was in his human body. That's a really good point. I hadn't considered that. Like, you literally have to grow your brain more to become, like, a fully realized, not realized, but to become, like, fully mentally developed quote unquote like your brain stops growing I think like when you're 25 or 26 or something like that so there's parts and I'm pretty sure it's the frontal lobe that matures the slowest so that's why like teenagers do all kinds of crazy stuff because the frontal lobe is all about decision making and just making good choices for yourself I guess or knowing that things are going to affect other people negatively stuff like that so if your brain literally stops growing when you're 17 and you're frozen in time you're not going to develop your brain completely that an adult would have even though you're like 100 and whatever you still have the brain of a 17 year old that's a good point I didn't think about that yeah yeah and I'm sure that there's people that would argue like Without giving too much away, the transformation process has a way of healing certain things about the human that is turning into a vampire. Um, So I'm sure there's people that would argue, like, his brain finished growing while he was turning into a vampire. But to the best of my knowledge, Stephanie has never addressed that. I guess I could look it up. But just some of the shit he does, I'm like, yeah, he's a teenager, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Anyways... Related to that note, actually on the next page I had a note on this. When he's talking about when they were in, like, the office when Bella was trying to turn in her little slip and he was trying to, like, transfer out of the class they had together. Mm-hmm. And his direct quote was, I so very nearly took you then. There was only one other frail human there, so easily dealt with. And my note was, the way Edward talks about humans feels so, like, you're not like other girls to me. Like, He's just like, you're not like other humans. You're my human. Like, it just, it kind of makes me mad. Yeah, I I didn't, I didn't make that connection myself. But you saying that makes 100% sense to me. It, like, I can fully see that now that you've said that. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, 
okay, you're not that much better than them. You're actually probably not better than 90% of them. <laughs> Although, who knows? I mean, I think everybody has, like, good and evil in them, Edward included. I don't think that changes when you, like, become a vampire. But basically, I'm just like, I wish you wouldn't be so, like, I don't even know what the word is, like, arrogant about it, because... My thing is, is, like, if you didn't want to interact with humans, if you didn't want to, like, you know, like, if you were so annoyed by them, if you thought they were so below you, you don't have to interact with them. You could be a recluse family and just do whatever you want and never encounter civilization. Like, they clearly have the means to do so. Yeah. And it's it's also quite insulting. Like, even if Bella took that in a compliment, like, oh, well, you're not like all the other humans that are just so easily manipulated there are important people in Bella's life that are humans as well so like Edward might be complimenting her but is like saying everyone else around you means nothing to me like it's doesn't paint him in a good light yes definitely um and this is skipping ahead a little bit but I just want to get all of this out because we're already on the subject on page 271 he brings up Jessica and he says her mind isn't very original and it was annoying to have to stoop to that. Once again, hashtag justice for Jessica. Also, I don't know how, I don't know why, but this feels sexist. I, it's like the same thing. It's other, you're not like the other girls thing, but even more to the definition of it. Yeah. 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 I'm over this bullshit. Anyways, I've, I feel like I've pretty much covered what is discussed here. Um, oh, Edward says that he left town, which is why he was gone right after Bella first met him. He went to Alaska to see some old acquaintances. Um, but he came back because he knew that he had upset Esme, who was like his mother figure, and the rest of his family. So he's like, I can deal with it. She's just one little human or whatever. And then... Um, then the car accident happens and he realizes that he like basically has feelings for her at that point because he says that it would have been a good excuse that he could have used to be like, oh, I saved her because like if she had been bleeding, I would have like drank her blood in front of everyone and that would have been hella awkward. But in reality, he saves her because he's like, no, not her, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I, I didn't even think about when, when I was reading that, when he said that, I was like, I didn't even think about that. Like, I know that he saved her because it's her, but, like, that would have been so bad. Like, <laughs> how, <laughs> how, how fucked up not only to see, like, a classmate of yours die in a really tragic way, but then to see what then follows it, that you would never recover from that. That would be literal, literal trauma, a traumatizing experience. I, yeah, it never really clicked in my brain watching that. <laughs> yeah, that would be insane. Do you think that they would have ha- had to, like, I don't mean this to sound gruesome, but I'm curious what you think. So Edward says that, like, when he was planning to kill her in biology class, he was going to kill everybody else, so there would be no witnesses, essentially. Do you think they would have, like, had to kill everyone on the scene? I want to insert, like, a cricket chirp. Like, that's what's going on inside of my brain right now. I I want to say no, but a deep part of my heart is saying, yeah, they 
That's horrific. Um, do you think there's like vampire cops? That, I think like, vampires are lawless. Lawless. Okay. All right. I was just asking that, like, would somebody come and be like, Mm-mm, you revealed yourself, you know, jail time or whatever. Vampire jail is just like a circle made of garlic. <laughs> That's so funny. So then Bella's like, so what about the hospital? And Edward's like, basically, I was shook. Because you realized that I saved you and I wasn't planning on that. I'm kind of like, did you want her to be knocked out? Like, what was your goal here? Maybe he just didn't have a plan because he was just acting so fast and reacting. But yeah, I think that that's that's a um, that's what my brain says, that he just like had almost no control over his actions. He just did it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then he says he fought with Rosalie, Emmett and Jasper because basically they were like, we got to kill her. And then he says, Carlisle sided with me and Alice. He grimaced when he said her name. I couldn't imagine why. Do you have any theories on that? I I, I do remember reading this and feeling weird about it. Because I'm like, he seems to have the best relationship so far with Alice. Like, as far as I know, like, really the only, like, positive experience I've witnessed with him and any of his relatives I'm thinking that maybe something negative happened with Alice either during this time frame in the past or maybe closer to the present, but I just don't know what, honestly. Yeah, no, I like that theory. It's interesting that he's grimacing because he's talking about the people who sided with him, but he's like still mad about it somehow. Yeah. Stay tuned. So um, then he talks about how he's just kind of keeping an eye on her, seeing if she'll, like, spill the tea to anybody else, but she doesn't, and he's trying to stay away from her, but obviously he cannot do that. And then this is basically when they, like, confess their love for each other, which I'm like, let's relax here. (laughs) Also, I struggle with vulnerability, so that's part of why I get so uncomfortable when this all goes down, but... Um, he's basically like, um, I couldn't live with myself if I ever hurt you. You're the most important thing to me now, the most important thing to me ever. And Bella is like, um, well, obviously I'm downzo to clownzo because I am here. <laughs> Which I love this response that she's not like, I'm obsessed with you. But she's like, well, I'm here. So you know what I'm doing. <laughs> I... The more I read about Bella, the more I really like her. I'm not going to lie. I I know there's a lot of anti-Bella people out there, but she just has, like, a sass to her that I didn't know she had, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I'm glad you said that, because I was kind of like, worried you didn't like her. I, I think about, like, how my opinions were when we started, even before we were even reading, and then even in the early chapters. And I guess I was just expecting her to be dramatic. Like, that was the overarching characterization I was going into with. And then the more that I read it, I'm like, that's not... I mean, there is drama, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that are dramatic. But that's not what I would say is her overarching character describer right now for me. Yeah, I almost feel like she's anti-drama. Like, she's like, no, I'm just going to be cool. I'm going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're going to keep it moving. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I like that about her a lot, too. Um, 
So then this is the Lion and Lamb stuff that I don't even know if we recorded when we discussed this because friend of the pod Remy had brought it up before we started reading. Um, but obviously it's very biblical reference. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's in the movie. I feel like it is. This is like one of the most quoted like little sections of the series. Yeah. So then Bella asks, um, like, what she can do better to, like, help him out. And they kind of have a joke about it because she, like, <laughs> I love that she, like, double chins herself. Because she's like, now it's her own exposure. I would never do that in front of my crush. I wouldn't have I was confidence. thinking the same fucking thing. I'm like, this is really bold of you, Bella, because I would not have the courage. <laughs> the chutzpah. <laughs> Um, and Edward's basically like, no, I was just, like, surprised because, like, she, I feel like she always sees a green light when other humans see a red light, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, all the things that are supposed to repel her by the laws of nature, you know, like, like, um, a bright tree frog, like, animals don't want to come near it because it's so unnatural or whatever. Like, Bella's like, all right, let's go! You know that gif of... I, it's a guy going like this, like, rubbing his hands, and then he's licking his lips like it's, like, food or something. Yes. That's exactly what I'm picturing. <laughs> yes, that's accurate. Um, so then the next section is just a lot more of that touching. They just touch each other's face. Edward listens to her heart. It's awkward. Um, and then I'm so dead that, like, Edward's like, this is so complex. You gotta feel how complex this is. And basically, Bella's like, I know what horniness is. Like, he doesn't say that, but she, she's like, because Edward's quote is, hungers I don't even understand that are foreign to me. And Bella says, I may understand that better than you think. I, that is exactly how I read it. Because at first he's like, hungers that are foreign to me. I'm like, did you never have a crush? Like, ever? Like, I, I had, this is, this is, really embarrassing for me but you know what why not tell the world and put it on fucking spotify my first crush was fucking Yu-Gi-Oh. so <laughs> i don't know how old i was 12 we the hungers just find us okay they just do <laughs> that was so philosophical of you and brave i applaud you <laughs> my second crush was robin from teen titans which again i don't really feel that bad about <laughs> I don't know that one. My first one was Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic, which, whose wasn't? I know I'm basic. At least that's a human being. <laughs> that's you know what? You know what? I saw this thing once that was like, is Simba from Lion King hot? And I was kind of like, yeah, he kind of is. <laughs> There's a scene from um, uh, it's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt where her and some... I cannot remember what other character it was, but they were talking about Robin Hood, like the Fox, the Disney cartoon. She was like, I remember at the time, like thinking like, I feel weird looking at him, but I'm just realizing that I was horny. <laughs> yep. It'd be like that sometimes. Was Robin there? <laughs> was he hot? <laughs> oh, there was another point that I wanted to make, but I don't remember what it was. I, oh, part where um he like kind of goes at her neck and like holds himself there is it was that this part yeah we're pretty much there mm -hmm. okay so yesterday 
my my lovely aunt sent me a Halloween card that had a twenty dollars in it. So I have twenty dollars right now burning a hole in my pocket. And yesterday I was like, you could go to McDonald's. I have a really soft spot in my heart for McDonald's. And I was like, Paige, you have food at home. I was both my I was both my mom and me in the meme where it's like can we get McDonald's? We have food at home. And then the food at home is really sad. I was both of the people from that meme. But I like it took everything in me to to say no and keep myself away. And I told Millie, I was like, I really felt like Edward, like, like getting so close to the sun and I'm pulling myself back saying, no, I can't. And she said, you got to bring that up in the pod tomorrow. So I'm just letting you guys know. I know what Edward's going through. I've been there. It's hard. I would- I would argue that Paige's self-control is even more poignant than Edward's. I'm just kidding. I I don't want to say that I've been through worse things than Edward, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) This is not related at all, but your $20 Halloween card reminded me. And also, I know literally everyone will be like, why did you tell this story? But I'm proud of it and I want to tell it. (laughs) Last Thursday, my family and I got Red Robin. My sister ordered, like, some kind of spicy burger, and it came with, like, a raw jalapeno on the side. I think it's, like, a garnish or something. And she was like, I'll give you $5 if you take a giant bite out of this jalapeno. And I was like, make it 15 And then I did it, and I got $15, and then I bought Dutch Bros with it. <laughs> I love that. That's, like, multiple Dutch Bros right there. Yes, yes, it was. Um, and... It was horrible, but you know what? It was worth it. I had a similar thing when I was a kid at Olive Garden with the pepperoncinis from the salad. I got like 20 bucks because I ate one of them. Jokes on them, pepperoncinis are fucking delicious and like barely spicy. They are. I was just thinking today about how bad I want to make Italian beef, which is like just beef with pepperoncinis. I'm going to do it. I love that. I was thinking maybe I'll make tortilla soup. Ooh, that sounds good. (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> at this point, it's kind of coming towards evening, and Bella still hasn't eaten lunch. Not off that train. Still thinking about it. I, like, don't get me wrong. I have, there have been times where it's like, I spend the whole day with someone that I'm interested in. It feels like it's hasn't been hours, and, like, I don't even think about, like, doing other things. I don't think about eating. But it happens. We have a meal at some point or like, like, I don't know. It's just like, since you haven't eaten in a long time, are you not hungry? Come on. Your mouth was just watering at the smell of his breath. And she hiked five miles, which is a lot of work. Yeah. Given the information that's about to fucking come to light. Yes. I was, I'm so happy. I was so hoping you would feel the same way about this. Uh, My literal next note was, I'd be so pissed that I hiked five miles and the whole time we could have just done this. I know it doesn't go well for her and that she feels sick afterwards. I would have been like, are you kidding me? (laughs) My note says, excuse me, you could have carried me the whole time. Why'd you make me hike? With a million question marks. (laughs) I'm so pissed about this. (laughs) And I want to read a listener comment that we had um, that made me laugh. It was referencing this hiking thing. Yeah, this comment was from Anne, who has been such a great listener to us, and we love hearing from her, but she said on our last full episode, not the spooky one, but the one before when we were talking about how much we hate hiking, 
She said, I, all caps, love hiking, but if you think I wouldn't have absolutely swung on Edward for springing a five-mile hike on me, you're dead wrong. Seriously. (laughs) So so true, Anne. I mean, I don't love hiking, but even if I did, I would have been pissed about this. So it's good to hear that affirmation that you agree as a hiking aficionado. Yes, thank you, Anne, for the the insight on a perspective we don't know about. (laughs) Precisely. So as we first mentioned, um, first of all, when Bella says, well, you turn into a bat, dead. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Um, So Edward runs through the forest with her in their back in their car in in just a couple of minutes at her car in just a couple of minutes. And Bella feels really sick. So she has to sit for a while and wait for her sickness, like her nausea to pass. And Edward's just like in a really good mood. And then he tries to kiss her and it goes real bad. What do you think about this? Embarrassing. Yeah. I I was kind of surprised because, I mean, everything was building up to it. So you, you expect it to be like a really beautiful, beautiful, dramatic thing. And I mean, it is dramatic. Don't get me wrong. But it is surprising because you would think that it would be this beautiful scene with all this craziness. But it's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, listeners, I'm sure you know, but basically Bella kind of, like, jumps on his dick. I'm just kidding. But he, like, is going very gently, and she freaks out. She, like, grabs his hair and, like, pulls him closer or whatever and, like, um, tries to do open-mouth kissing, which I'm like, girl, with a vampire? You need to chill. <laughs> Maybe try it a couple times first. Closed mouth. Yeah, like, what was going on before that? I mean, they were close to each other. But that's not the same as kissing. Like, that's a completely different ballpark, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That got me good. I don't even know why. Uh, So she says, oops, which made me even more secondhand embarrassed. I just, why would you say that? (laughs) Um, I'd be like, hey. Though, actually, I'm picturing myself really vulnerable in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess I can't picture myself kissing a supernatural being. But, like, if I was with a regular person and this, like, amazingly, this thing that I was building up in my head for so long did not go the way that it should have gone and it was kind of my fault... I would be cripplingly embarrassed, first of all. And, like, what does my brain do when I'm in a a situation? Fight, flight, or freeze? Mine's a combo of freeze, fight, and also kind of flight. (laughs) Just make make a joke. Make a joke. Diffuse the situation. So maybe I'd just be like, oops. Like, I don't know. I could see myself doing something similar to diffuse the awkwardness. Yeah, now that you put it that way, yeah, that makes total sense. And it's kind of iconic of Bella to just be like, oops. <laughs> so then Edward kind of brushes it off. Um, he basically, like, sucks in his thirst <laughs> and then, like, kind of gets himself under control. And then he basically just says, you are only human, which is nice because I was kind of worried I mean, not this time, because I knew, but, like, the first time I feel like I was worried that he was going to be mad, because he gets mad at, like, such small things. Seriously. He's always clenching his stupid fists. (laughs) 
Very sweet. Uh, <laughs> so then um, they kind of get into this little argument about who's going to drive because Bella's like still all lightheaded or whatever. And of course he wins because Bella can't resist him in anything which she says herself. That's a direct quote. I, I did not want Bella to drive. Like, I know that she wanted him to not have the upper hand there. She wanted to she wanted to drive both ways. But I was kind of like, I don't think you should drive, Bella. I think that it's probably better that Edward drives in the situation. Like, when he equated it to letting a drunk person drive, like, I she does not seem well right now. So I'm like, let, let your sober friend drive. It'll be okay. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just the principle of it that I'm like, why does he always win? Yeah. And when he does win, he's so smug about it. Yes. So true. So finally she gives in. And um, the last little section of the chapter is she says, and are you not affected at all by my presence? And he gets kind of emo about it and doesn't really kiss her, but kind of kisses like her neck. Or her face. And he says, regardless, I have better reflexes. And that's the end of the chapter. Did you have anything we didn't cover? No, we talked about everything. I only had a couple notes this chapter, too. Because I was... I, I liked this chapter some at some points, for sure. I... <laughs> while I wasn't feeling secondhand embarrassed for both of them, I did like what I read. So I didn't have too many notes, but we did cover them. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. It was a mix of, like, yay, and also, like, secondhand embarrassment. Especially as an adult, because, like you said, when when I read this when I was younger, I was like, hell yeah, turn the fuck up! And now I'm reading it as an adult, I'm like, these are children. They are children. Yeah, I I do remember, and this might be, this might be TMI for everyone involved, so we can cut it if you want. But living and growing up, going to Catholic school, I felt like everything about normal sexuality was really repressed and not um, encouraged in any way whatsoever, especially for women. Like we don't need to go into that in detail, but it just was not even something like really in my peripherals at all in my middle school years. And then one year at the fucking Scholastic Book Fair, shout out Scholastic Book Fair, seriously, you guys rock my world every single year when I was in elementary school I got um have you ever read anything by Ellen Hopkins Mm, the name is really familiar what are some books so she writes in poetry basically she covers a lot of really uh, intense uh topics like drug use sexual abuse um prostitution all kinds of things like that her most famous book was probably Crank um yeah yeah um and I, they, they had one of her books in the Scholastic Book Fair at our Catholic middle school. And the, the back cover, it sounded really interesting. It was about two a twin sisters who were living like kind of different lives. And like their dad is a politician. So it was like all about this and that there was like, they had a lot of family issues. I'm not going to go into details because um, there's kind of like a twist kind of a thing. But anyways, that book had so much like sex and like kissing and like all kinds of crazy stuff that I had never read in a book before. I could not put that book down. It was like eye opening. I just like, I didn't realize that literature could like 
even talk about those concepts, let alone like picture myself in there. So I can 100% completely see how a book like this can like really impact someone's like growing up, especially if you were a girl, like this would be so exciting to read, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe books are talking about like hot kissing and like touching your hair. Like the, the, the touching is very innocent. I, I don't know, innocent, quote unquote, but like, I think so. Eh, whatever but like I can just see that this would have been like I would not be able to put this down if I had read this in middle school you know yes 100% agree that's exactly how it felt like it was like I could not read it fast enough but then I, when I was done I was like I have to read this again mm-hmm. yeah and that tea is boiling hot on that uh catholic women sexual repression um and you know what that kettle is is blaring at us we got to go pick it up off the stove. It is screaming. Or we should just leave it and let it scream because it needs to be known. I like that idea, too. <laughs> Here's a question for you. And I don't know the answer to this because when I was reading, I was kind of contemplating it myself. Do you think that was Edward's first kiss? I, it would be... If I had to go off of context clues, I would say, if not the first kiss, then one of the very first ones, because he talks about that these feelings are very foreign to him. So it's, I feel like it's completely possible that it could have been his first kiss. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I don't, like I said, I don't actually know the answer. So Hmm. maybe I'll look that up later. You're not allowed to. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, cool. That was... uh, a good chapter. So for next week, we're just going to be reading chapter 14, which is called Mind Over Matter. Got any predictions, Paige? Mind Over Matter, when I think of that word or that phrase, it's about having self-control, I would say. I, so I feel like it'll have something to do with trying to keep themselves from each other I guess like having the fortitude to stay stay away from each other I guess not away from each other but being able to not be like gross and him trying to attack her or just like having to have it's gonna be about like them trying to like maybe like keep themselves restrained I guess yeah I like that like that a lot i know we're doing two weeks in a row of um just one chapter fear not the following recording will be two chapters so stay tuned for that everyone um i did want to make a quick note too um one thing that you guys can do that would be really helpful for us and would take a load off my shoulders is if you are an apple podcast listener if you could subscribe to us that would be great i know that there's probably like people who will end up listening um that won't hear this or, you know, like won't be able to know that that's something they should do. But Apple Podcasts is controlled by Satan. I'm just kidding. But um, it is a whole struggle every week for our episodes to show up in, you know, like when you search our show, they take forever to show up. But if you're a subscriber, they show automatically in your home feed. So it's a lot easier for you guys to access them when they come out. Um, And, it's literally just me every Tuesday morning. Picture me every Tuesday morning at approximately 6 a.m. Just trying to make it work. 
picture that and then hit the subscribe button. And when you do it on, you know, everything else that you listen to, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever, that's also really helpful to us because the more people we have subscribing, the more likely we are to show up in a search. Um, so that is obviously really good for us. Um, so yeah, it's just an easy thing that you can do that helps us out. Yes, I follow us, so you should too. Yeah. I saved my poor mom because I have been checking on her phone, which I, she does not listen to podcasts, but I literally load Apple Podcasts on her phone, which I don't even think she knows she has that app. And I like look for it and I'm like, okay, thank you for your service. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's about it for this week. Um, you know where to find us on social media, but just in case, we're on Twitter at Taft, T-A-F-T, pod, P-O-D, T-A-F-T, P-O-D. I feel like I'm saying the Campfire Song song. Um, and we're on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are For Twilight. You can email us anytime at Tuesdays Are For Twilight at gmail.com. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays Are For Twilight. Me and Paige just like looked at each other and we both had open mouths and we were like Are you gonna say something? Why should I say something? <laughs> and on that note, bye guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>